Well, welcome to Mission in Five, the podcast where we ask a handful of questions to ministry practitioners to learn more about who they are and where they see God moving in their community. I'm your host, Greg Mamula. And every week, through my work with Churches Helping Churches, ABC Nebraska, my ongoing writing projects, and serving as a faculty mentor to seminary students, I get to partner with Christian leaders, entrepreneurs, and ministers of the church in a variety of contexts. I'm always amazed at the many and varied ways that God works in our individual communities and when multiple churches network together for mission and ministry. So, that's the purpose of this podcast, to share the stories of the people participating in God's mission in Nebraska, across the country, and around the world. My guest today is the Reverend Dr. Todd Balsinger. Dr. Balsinger joined Fuller Seminary in 2014 as a Vice President for Vocation and Formation and Assistant Professor of Practical Theology. He now serves as a Vice President and Chief of Leadership Formation. Ordained in the Presbyterian Church USA in 1993, Dr. Balsinger served in pastoral ministry for over 25 years before transitioning to Fuller. Todd is the author of several books, including It Takes a Church to Raise a Christian, How the Community of God Transforms Lives, published by Brazos in 2004, Canoeing the Mountains, Christian Leadership in Uncharted Territory, published by IVP Books in 2015, and most recently, Tempered Resilience, How Leaders Are Formed in the Crucible of Change, also published by IVP in 2020. He continues to write and teach in the areas of leadership, spiritual formation, leadership formation, and innovation. On November 18, 2021, 14 American Baptist regions will partner together to offer a free webinar titled Adaptive Leadership, where Dr. Todd Balsinger will share insights from his book, Canoeing the Mountains, and other morsels of wisdom on leadership formation and innovation to encourage and equip our pastors and leaders for the ever-changing missional landscape that we find ourselves in. This event is free to the pastors of our American Baptist regions. Be sure to contact your region office to learn more and how to receive a Zoom link to log in and learn live with us on November 18, 2021. I really enjoyed my conversation with Dr. Bolsinger, and I think you will too. So use this opportunity to meet him before our big event later in November. If you're catching this after the event, well, we're sorry you missed the event, but we really hope you enjoy this conversation with Dr. Todd Bolsinger. Welcome to Mission in Five. I appreciate you joining us here on our podcast today. I'm glad to be with you, Greg. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Our format is easy enough. We're going to ask you five simple questions to learn more about who you are and where you see God moving in your community. So let's just jump right in. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you? <laughs> so <clears throat> so um, I'm Todd Bolsinger, and I am the executive director for the Church Leadership Institute at Fuller Seminary. I'm also an associate professor of leadership formation there. And my wife and I run a consulting and coaching company where, um, and speaking um, called A.E. Sloan Leadership. It's named after a couple that mentored us and they passed away and we decided to rework our consulting and coaching and speaking and named it after them because they invested in us as young leaders. And so I basically wake up every day working with people trying to lead change across the country. And it's just a great gift. Very good. Yeah. Do you have any hobbies when you're not teaching and, and doing a lot of consulting work or place? Yeah, work? actually, actually anything outside. So yeah. we have a little place in the, in the mountains of Ketchum, Idaho, where I, in the wintertime, I cross country ski and downhill ski and snowshoe. And in the summertime, I fly fish and hike. And, and I actually fly fish in the, in the wintertime also. Okay. So if, if I can play outside, I'm a happy guy. Yes. Yeah, so I can see why you and Charles Revis probably get along so well. You have a lot of the same interests. 
<laughs> yeah, he just gets to do it more than me because he lives up there all the time and I have to go visit. So. Yeah, he's uh, he's certainly he's always posting better pictures than all the other region staff at ABC. It's all these beautiful mountain scenes. So that's yeah. fun. Um, well, tell us a little bit about how you came to be on staff at Fuller and then uh, some of this consulting work. Uh, so how did you get to this part of your uh, vocational calling? Yeah, so 27 years, I was the I was a Presbyterian pastor. I'm, I'm still ordained in the PCUSA. Okay. Um, 10 years, I served on the staff at Hollywood Presbyterian, where I was on the staff, and I became an associate pastor. And then for 17 years at San Clemente Presbyterian, which is a little beach town halfway between Los Angeles and San Diego. Oh, and um, and that was a great gift. I We went there when my son was three years old and my daughter was three months old. And uh, I held up my daughter and said, you're all invited to her high school graduation and God gave us the desires of our hearts. We raised our kids and I pastored that community. And um, along the way, I got a PhD at Fuller in practical theology and spiritual formation. And I ended up starting to do more work in leadership development because um, we had a, um, a consultant come in and work with us at a time when we were going through some transition. And that led to me doing a number of projects in my denomination and then being asked to do some coaching um, and consulting with that same company that uh, had worked with us. And it, what it really did is it led me to recognize that I had this deep uh, passion. I think it really is the center of my calling to um, help faith leaders thrive as change leaders. I, I think change is hard for everyone. Sometimes change, especially in the church, is especially hard. Yeah. And um, having to figure out how to help not only the change process, but the way in which the change process ends up changing us. It's, and sometimes that can be deeply transformative in great ways. And sometimes it can be kind of dangerous and hard. And so um, so that's the work that we do. Um, I went for, after 27 years at the church, I was asked to come to Fuller Seminary. Um, president Mark Laberton asked me to be his first appointee as a vice president, helping uh, the seminary go through some change experiences and that it was going through because seminary education is yeah. in a time of deep flux. And after six years of being on the senior administration, I asked if I could just transition off and run this church leadership institute and basically work every day with change leaders. And so it really has been my deep love for the church my uh, engagement in spiritual formation and my understanding of the need to develop leaders to be able to lead change that has kind of led me to where I spend my life today. Yeah. Would, would you then say that you are able to focus more on helping the church once you stopped being a local church pastor um, because it gave you opportunity to try different things that might not have worked just specifically in your own context, but you've tried to figure out how to apply these uh, leadership change and adaptive leadership models in a variety of contexts. Yeah. So the, the biggest interesting part about that, Greg, is I loved being the pastor of a congregation. I, yeah. I'm a deep dive kind of guy. I, I really am. But what I need, no, recognized was there was, while that was great, there was also limitations to what I could offer others. Right. So I had a sense that my next season of life needed to be a bit more broad. I needed some broader exposure. And I had no idea how broad it would be. Yeah. Um, today, today, I literally get to work with people all over the theological spectrum, all over the country. Um, I've got students in uh, in other countries. I, um, I get to do webinars and podcasts. And um, during the pandemic, I think I was in four other countries. I mean, it's it's really interesting that, that the disruption of the pandemic particularly meant 
that everybody is dealing with the same questions. How do we move from surviving this moment to thriving in what will come in the future? And so it has really given me this really deep breath, uh, breadth of experience. I, I tell people, um, I get to talk to people who do not talk to each other. I, I talk across the <laughs> lines, yeah. lines and, um, and it's really a privilege. So um, I felt like after having this long season of a deep dive in a community, now I get the breadth of the body of Christ. We know that you're an author of several books. You're continuing to work through the seminary. Uh, what are some of the things that are, that are happening in this adaptive leadership um, that you're doing? Tell us a little bit about either your work at Fuller or the way that you're able to share this breadth of knowledge with others through your, your writing and your consulting. Yeah. So, um, I think so. The, you know, so the, the the key point about adaptive leadership, and it's not mine. It came from Ronald Heifetz and Marty Linsky and their work at Harvard. Mm -hmm. um, I I use their work, and I use the work of Ed Friedman and others who use family systems theory to really think about how do you create really healthy organizations to do wise, faithful change. Like, like it's not change for change's sake. Right. It's it's acknowledging that you know in the church. It is, a, it is like a family system that has something precious it wants to preserve. Right. But in a changing world, if you don't adapt, then you will probably not, that you'll probably not survive either. So there's this really interesting dynamic. And the most interesting place where this is living itself out today, and maybe this is just because I see this because of the breadth, like I talked about earlier, is that many of the people who are the most interesting, creative, resilient leaders are not the people who were grew the biggest churches and had the biggest movements in the last uh, generation. Um, the, some of the most interesting creative stuff are happening in smaller congregations, in um, in urban congregations, in many places where they, where folks did not have kind of majority or dominant or privileged place before. Now developed the adapt the ability to adapt and be creative and innovate. In ways that we can learn from today, and so some of my some of my very best students are women. They're people of color. They're um, pastors in small congregations. I, I'm working with two pastors in the country of New Zealand who are working on rethinking all of theological education in New Zealand to be to move away from its uh, colonialist roots and take more seriously the indigenous people of New Zealand. I mean, there's just some very very creative deeply transformative work being put on by a number of my students and my clients around the country. Okay, very good. Well, on November 18th, you're going to join 14 American Baptist regions on the Zoom call, and you're going to talk a little bit about adaptive leadership. We're pulling primarily from your work in, in Canoeing the Mountains, but you also have a book that launched at the beginning of 2021. Tempered, a, tempered Resilience, tempered how, resilience. Leaders, how Leaders Are Formed in the Crucible of Change. Yes, very good. T tell us a little bit, give us like a kind of a sneak preview of, of what we might hear in that type of a, a, a teaching experience with you. Yeah. So, so uh, Canoeing the Mountains came out in 2015 and I immediately got invited to speak to lots of groups, including um, a group of American Baptists uh, in the Pacific Northwest. And, and what was interesting is the conversation very quickly went in almost every place to the section of the book that talked about sabotage. So one of the principles of adaptive change is uh, there's, well, the first one is people don't resist grief. Uh, people don't resist change. They resist loss. Right. People don't resist change. They resist loss. 
So what you start recognizing, especially in a church setting, is that it is very hard to disappoint the people that you are called to pastor. Um, Ronald Heifetz says, you know, he defines leadership as disappointing people at a rate they can absorb. And so, so the, the skill set that most of us were not prepared for is how much of having the lead change would mean we'd have to do so right into the teeth of disappointing the very people we love. Yeah. And, and then that led to one of the chapters in Tuning the Mountains that everybody wanted to talk about, which was the, which was the chapter on sabotage. Um, Ed Friedman says, you can't consider yourself successful until after you've made a change and then survived the resultant sabotage. Yeah. That, that the normal process is you work to make a change, you make the change, everybody agrees to the change. And as soon as you start implementing it, the system will want to go back. It'll want to sabotage it to go back to the status quo. I often say the status quo does not easily let go. Right. And what then became is I began to realize that this was really the most soul-sucking part of the leadership process. I would talk to district superintendents or the presbytery executives or regional directors, and they would say things to me like, um, hey, I don't know if we have anybody who can actually do this. Yeah. And at first I thought that meant I need to do a better job of training them in techniques. And they said, no, 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 it's, I don't know if we have anybody who has the stomach for this. Yeah. And so we started looking at what is the resilience needed to be able to bring change, to stay there in the face of resistance. And because these are people that we love and we care for and we're protecting and we're um, developing and protecting traditions that have shaped us, it can't just be kind of toughness, it can't just be being hard. It actually actually needs a tempered resilience, a kind of wise resilience, like a tempered tool. Um, and so the, the process that I talk a lot about today is naming sabotage so that we can navigate it and then developing the resilience needed through being formed so that we can actually lead people through it. And, and that's the work that I do, I'll be doing uh, with the group um, later this month. And, and I think one of the, one of the things I, I enjoy most about hearing you speak and, and reading your your books is this idea of, of learning in real time, you know, th this idea of constantly being a learner that you don't come in, you, you might've learned a lot in school or seminary or through a training program or whatever, but then you can't come into an alternate setting as an expert, but then you have to constantly be willing to learn. Um, can, can you talk a little bit about that? Cause I feel like from canoeing the mountains to tempered resilience is perfect evidence of you working through that type of learning process, continuing to, to develop. And then uh, what does that mean for like a local church pastor who's yeah, living yeah. through that resilience and trying to do the Lewis and Clark, break it all down across the mountains kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's a very, that's a great observation, Greg, that for me, this is actually my own process of learning as I go. So, you know, I was a pastor Things were actually going pretty well at my church. All of a sudden, I came into this weird moment where all of the usual markers were going up and to the right, the way you want them to go. Yeah. The morale was going down. I, I didn't know what to make of that. And, and as soon as you come to the place where you realize, I didn't have a solution, and I had to say, man, I don't know what to do. What, 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 I don't know what this is. Yeah. That meant, was the first time I learned about adaptive leadership. Adaptive leadership is where you lead when you're not an expert. And I didn't have an expert solution. So I had to learn. Yeah. What I discovered then was as you start developing the capacity to learn, 
in an adaptive environment, an environment which we call uncharted territory, where there are no maps, right. you're always learning in the middle of leading. And this is the this is a huge disappointment for most of us. <laughs> yeah. we, thought, we thought that we would learn everything we needed when we got our master of divinity, right? Like, like we sound like, like we're a superhero, right? We got our right. master's degree or we got our doctorate. And, and you're realizing actually what you're having to learn is that leadership is actually only learned while leading. Hmm. And that alone begins to shift the way you approach. So I, I, always, I always say that, you know, the great irony of my life is that um, you can't learn leadership from a book or getting a degree or doing workshops, says yeah. the guy who writes books, <laughs> right. people who get degrees and does workshops. Like I, like I literally give you the tools, but you're not going to learn how to do it until you're in the middle of it. And this became extraordinarily clear when I started teaching on this material and realizing what everybody really wanted to talk about was one chapter of my book on sabotage, where I was just trying to name a reality that yeah. became literally the whole next book. And how do we actually develop that? And, and that's actually the book I'm working on now came out of the last book, right? So it's, it's really this process of my own formation while I'm working with leaders that is the exact same thing that leaders are going through every day. Yeah, it's always interesting when when you put something out like a book or something like a podcast series or whatever, and everybody comes back to one thing. You like spend all these hours and weeks and months, and they're like, "It was really just the one paragraph that we want to talk about." Well, um, it's not the one that you expected. Like right. I've always said, I said my whole life is usually being disrupted by somebody who whispers something to me on the side, and I think that just changed everything. Oh my gosh, that that yeah. just changed everything. Like, and so, and that's been the I would say the pattern of my life. Is somebody interrupting what I think I'm going to talk about because they want me to, they want me to talk about what they want me to talk about. Yeah, exactly. I, uh, I just published a book myself came out in the beginning of the year. It's called a table life an invitation to everyday discipleship. And the idea is centered around meals and people coming together and uh, taking communion in homes. Um, um, not terribly edgy stuff, but you know, some scripture reading for the purpose of formation. But the thing people keep asking me about is is listening, the discipline of listening. Right. In a season of absolute and utter chaos now, coming back to learning how to listen to each other well. And I feel like the rest of the book is really good too. But that's the one thing they keep asking me about. So I understand it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's to me that's part. I think that's part of the way the spirit works, right? Yeah. If you listen about that, like the spirit is you know god disrupting our ideas to bring and enter and bring something new to bring new life and so you know it makes sense to me that that the idea of listening which is such a forgotten art would be at the forefront of people's experience because one of the parts we learned about resilience was people were are more likely to follow you if you do a better job of listening to them so that they feel felt if you listen to the place of deep empathy then even if they don't agree with you, they will probably not, they won't, they're not, they will not likely sabotage you. That's a pretty profound. I hope you are enjoying this episode of Mission in Five. Whether you're streaming this episode on Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, or iHeartRadio, thanks for listening. Take a moment to rate and review the podcast so it can be more easily found and to help us make the show better for other listeners. If you're feeling really good about it, go ahead and hit that share button to let others know how much you are enjoying Mission in 5. Don't forget to check out my book, Table Life, An Invitation to Everyday Discipleship. Table Life reveals the holy work of sharing our tables with others. 
It guides readers through the biblical tradition of mealtime practices and the discipleship habits of eating together, scripture formation, listening, storytelling, and communion, helping us to connect to Christ, our church, and our community contexts, both in person and online. Table Life is available from your favorite online distributors, including Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Judson Press. For more information, visit my website, table-life.org. Back to our MI5 conversation with our guest, Dr. Todd Balsinger. So, so what is next for you then? Um, you, you kind of teased an, a new book. Um, are there oh. any um, new ministries with that or maybe a, a new edge for you in, in the consulting or, or at Fuller you want to share with us? Well, so um, so uh, the work I'm doing at Fuller, we got a big Lily grant that, that Lily has been doing a really generous work with um, thriving congregations. And we got one of those big grants. And what we're looking at is comparing the different, trying to figure out the ways we can make adaptive leadership training available to many different people. Like, so I do consulting with individual congregations and we have some hybrid stuff we do with fresh expressions where people go through an 18 month period where they do some face-to-face -face and some stuff online. And we have a grant to do an entirely online training process. So what we're really doing is we're actually studying in great depth, how do you develop adaptive capacity? How do you develop the capacity in leaders to be able to lead people through loss, to learn, to navigate competing values, to be able to figure out the difference between what is essential and expendable, and then, then experiment your way forward. Like this is the basics of adaptive stuff. Can we do that for the whole church? That's the question we're asking. Like, or, like that anybody could be able to afford it or learn it. Yeah. And what's powerful is the part we kept running into was pastors would then begin to develop adaptive capacity and they would begin to say, yeah, yeah but our churches haven't been developed. Like our people, our people somehow, even though the gospel talks about death and resurrection, we don't think very much about death and resurrection of our congregations, of our churches, of loss, of the loss necessary to go forward to keep the mission forward. And so what I'm working on right now is really um, uh, the lot to working with a lot of churches. I work with probably 60 churches right now at one in one level or another. Um, how do we develop the spiritual formation practices that will, that will develop within our congregations, the capacity for, for healthy, wise, adaptive change. Wow. That's really helpful. I um, actually just wrote an article for, for word and way. And I talk a little bit in there about, um, Many times at conferences, I'll hear the Netflix versus Blockbuster story, right? Mm -hmm. Now, Netflix took down Blockbuster. And um, ultimately, the point of the story is don't be Blockbuster. You know, don't close. Don't be so tied to old models of ministry and, and these sort of things. Be a Netflix. And, and I've always struggled with that as a metaphor because it always feels like if you're not on the cutting edge, if you're not thinking about things so very differently than, than you're not going to be successful. You're not being faithful or perhaps, uh, and I recently uh, walked past one of those red box machines. Have you seen these? There's like 40,000 of them all over the country and red box just launched its IPO this week. One of the only businesses in the history of America to go public while having a declining revenue. And it's because they've made some new partnerships with a production company and with a um, Roku streaming service. And what they've discovered was their audience stays at home. They watch twice as many movies as anybody else in America. The, their target audience um, 
it still wants that physical DVD for a while. They know as a business, this is not a model that's going to be successful going forward, but they're going to continue to use the, um, the physical media until it's completely unsustainable while building their online platform. Yeah. And, and as I hear you describe this, this is sort of like the skills you're trying to give pastors is this walking and shepherding of congregations from the DVD model to the streaming model. And that's kind of who's already in the church. Um, and, and you don't always get the early adopters because they're already on Netflix, um, but you can't stay old because then you'll die like, like Blockbuster. And so I, I just like the idea of using Redbox as maybe an example, an encouraging example for our churches is that it is sustainable to do both for a little while until you've transitioned to the next thing. Well, what's powerful about that illustration is they're also learning from Netflix. Netflix went from DVDs to streaming, right? Which which I always say, there's no, I mean, there are a few geniuses out there who are going to predict the future. I am not one of them. I like, I am not one. I, I, I like, I don't even try to predict the future. So I always tell people, don't try to predict. Instead, learn how to prototype. Mm. Prototype means how to do a small experiment where you can learn. Yeah. So if you can learn to say, let's try some small things that we can learn from and then come back to them and ask, what can we learn next? That, it, that's that openness, that humility. See, I think the, the lesson about Blockbuster is they were arrogant. They were so much bigger than Netflix. Oh, they yeah. didn't think that Netflix idea was going to work. And what they didn't, they missed was Netflix was saying, we're about movies. We're not about VHSs. Like we're not about VCRs, we're about movies. And so now you start recognizing, oh, how can we be open and learn as we go? And that to me, I think once the church recognizes that the very identity of a Christian is a learner, that's the word disciple means, right? Discipleship means we are always learning and we are learners. And, and the character quality of humility is what's supposed to mark our, our life. And then we recognize we can take risks to learn because nothing is fatal with us. Yeah. There's no failure if you're learning. There's no failure that is fatal. We, we have forgiveness and we have assurance. So why are we the most humble, open, creative communities? Why instead do we find ourselves being so fearful and reactive? That's to me the question about discipleship that I want to work over because I think a lot of the church is um, is not only stuck in an old model, it's clinging to it as if it is, um, as if it's the essence, as if it's the thing. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I mean, um, that that metaphor of of loving movies more than the distribution of movies, right? That's the difference. We, we love the gospel more than the particular distribution of the gospel. Um, Well, you've got a lot going on. You've got the school, you've got the consulting stuff, you've got all the books and things. Um, As, as we prepare to, to, to learn more deeply with you in the zoom call on November um, 18th, how can we as American Baptists partner with you uh, presently and, and going forward in ministry? Well, a couple things is one of the things I would just invite is anybody who comes to the um, that comes to the workshop is to literally think to yourself. So, could I get a small group of people together to experiment our way forward? Yeah. Like, could I get my own little core discovery, my own little transformation team, yeah. uh, my own little group of people? I mean, I mean, what, one of the things we've learned through our cohorts is um, if you put together five or six people and you say, "Hey, look, we're going to learn how to do this together." you can see amazing things begin to happen in your churches. I mean, clarity about your, your, what I call your 
congregational charism. This is our unique values. This is our gift. Clarity about our community. This is where they need us. This right. is, there's lots of places in pain in the world. We get to, op- to offer ourselves at this particular pain point. And, and here, the, here, because we have this opportunity to make a difference, here are some of the ways we can address the things that are keeping us back in our, in our congregations. And so what I always say is, you know, the invitation I have for folks is, um, yes, I'm glad you're reading the books and I'm thrilled to talk with you. What I really want to do is say, let's work together. Let's experiment yeah. our way forward and yes. come join one of our cohorts or have us do some consulting with your area. Or, I mean, I just, I, I talked to a church to uh, a pastor today in Pennsylvania who's got, you know, she said, we have 60 people in worship and we got to figure out what our future is. And I'm working with a church in Texas that's got 10,000, like, and they've got the same questions. What is our future? And so it's not about size. It's not about scope or scale or impact or platform. It's about health and mission and community and the willingness that we have to move from surviving to thriving. And I just want to invite folks to, you know, let's, let's figure out ways that we can learn as we all go forward together. Very good. Well, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you joining us on Mission in Five, the podcast. And I look forward to uh, hearing more at our upcoming Adaptive Leadership uh, Zoom meeting on November 18th. Thanks, Greg. Well, thank you for listening to Mission in Five, the podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you will be notified every time we produce a new episode, introducing you to another ministry practitioner engaging with God's mission and their unique context in Nebraska, across the country, and around the world. If you really like the guests and the contents, take a moment to rate and review the podcast on your favorite streaming platform and share it with your friends and your larger social media network. Be sure to check out the show notes for links and contact information to each of our guests. Send us ideas on who you'd like us to interview for future episodes. And feel free to support us by giving through our PayPal link on our abcnebraska.com website. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day.